0: So this is from Matthew chapter 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Uh, Before we get into this message, why don't we just spend a, a minute here in prayer? So, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, and thank you that we, can, um, that we can gather virtually by Zoom together as the three congregations. And I pray that um, wherever we are, you may give us just um, the, the, the focus and um, the presence to, to be here, Lord, with what you're doing during this particular time of gathering, of worship, worship, of hearing from your word, and that you would open our hearts to how you're drawing us closer into fellowship and relationship with you. Um, Lord, I pray for this message to yield incredible fruit and that within each of our hearts that there would be a growing openness towards full, abandoned uh, dedication and commitment to you in our lives, especially as we go into 2021. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So um, I don't know about you guys, but um, one of our favorite shows that we've been watching with the kids over the past couple of months has been The Mandalorian. And we love the show, and it's a little bit too old for Maya. My daughter's three, and uh, some of the parts scare her, Um, but my boys love it, and it's, you know, with the uh, Star Wars series ending, it's great to have another show that kind of, continues the star wars year, universe but the mandalorian himself he's an interesting character he seems somewhat reserved and and um somewhat just minding his own businesses and doing his own thing in the beginning of the, sh- of the show but then he gets introduced to he has he's a bounty hunter and so what he does is he goes around and um collects bounties for people that he brings in but he gets a strange assignment and he's given this little green figure who we affectionately call baby yoda and we know of course that he is not baby yoda his name is grogu but to my wife and I, he's still Baby Yoda, so we're gonna call him Baby Yoda no matter what. But anyway, he's <laughs> and um, oh, so I'm getting some feedback there. Um, he finds this child, and he is uh, given a commission to to take this child to a Jedi <laughs> will take care of him. Um, and in the beginning, he's just doing it for the money, but. Um, pretty soon the show gets interesting because Mando develops a certain amount of affection for Grogu. And so uh, he finds out that this little uh, mini, you know, baby Yoda character has force powers and he wants to learn more about that. And eventually he decides that the only thing that would be right would be for him to take this, uh, this small green child with the pointy ears and bring him to a Jedi where the Jedi can continue his training. And so... Uh, as you're watching the show, uh, and uh, what I felt was increasing kind of um, re- relating to Mando and um, admiration for him, and you see a transformation in his character as he goes from somebody who had been pretty much living his own kind of, I, I hate to say self-centered existence, but really a very small world, with just him doing his job, but now he's got a greater purpose in life. And him protecting baby Yoda is going to put him in lots of danger. And yet he goes for it because he lo- he begins to really love this child and he makes this mission to take care of him. And so there's something deeply attractive about that. And, and we, too, we're, we're called to a higher purpose. We're called to live lives that take us beyond ourselves and to be fully sold out and all in in our relationship with God and, and in our devotion to him and to the gospel and to his kingdom. And, you know, I've been reflecting on what we've been preaching about throughout the COVID season, and we've been offering lots of messages of comfort, lots of messages of hope about what God has done for us. And at Christmas, you know, we just celebrated two days ago the birth of Christ in the world, which is a reminder of everything that God has done for us His grace, His love coming into the world, bringing redemption, bringing healing. And so the question then is, how? do we respond? God has done so much for us. And as we look forward to 2021 with a brand new year starting and 2020 was really hard, but God got us through it. Now, what is he asking of us? What is he asking of his church in 2021? What kind of response is God looking for? And so that brings us to the passage that I just read today, which is two very short parables in which Jesus tells a story and it's just basically a one-line story, and there's two kind of examples, but they both have the same point. And the essential gist is that a person uh, discovers something, a treasure, or discovers a pearl of great value, and upon realizing what they found, they, they joyfully go and they sell. And that, that treasure, of course, represents the kingdom. They discover the kingdom and out of a spontaneous kind of joyful, uh, a reckless kind of abandonment, they go and they immediately sell everything that they have. And then they go and they purchase. In the one case, the man goes and purchases the, the field so that he could have the treasure. In the other case, the business person, you know, he sells everything that he has and goes and purchases the pearl so that he will have this pearl of great value. And in both cases, the, the man who buys the field and the man who buys the pearl Right, Neither of them have to think twice about this, this, uh, this, this uh, purchase. They, they both, without thinking, it's uh, unequivocal. Yes, we got to do this. We're all in. We're sold out. We're going to do it immediately. And so what does is, what is Christ, right? what does he mean to suggest to us by this story? And um, I, I will say that in fairness to the text, you know, if you want to get really, you know, really technical here, I, I actually don't think Jesus was telling the story because he wants us to think that for us to follow him that we have to go and sell everything. That very clearly, the, the point of the parable is the incredible awesomeness and the the uh, amazing delight and surprise upon discovering this kingdom that Jesus is bringing into the world and it is something so wonderful and so spectacular that in both situations it calls for an immediate release of possessions in order to go and get a hold of that which has been offered that that's the point that's the point of the of the of the story but the fact remains the fact remains that in both situations for the person to lay hold of the treasure or to lay hold of the pearl does require a, a, a full abandonment, in, in this case, selling everything that they have in order to be able to, to lay hold of that. And so it seems to be suggested, you know, it seems to be suggesting you know, It's a question we could ask. What exactly does God require of us in order for us to be able to take a hold Of the grace of the redemption of this kingdom that God is offering us in Christ. What does He expect of us? What does He ask of us? And surely it can't be the case that God is offering this to us, but requires that we be willing to relinquish everything in our life. Surely that can't be the case, right? Surely it must be the case that you know, that God is good, that we can strike some sort of a deal or a bargain here, or maybe we can get like a, like some sort of discount where I can kind of hold on to a little bit of the, of what I have. I'll give Jesus like 90%, but surely he doesn't expect me to give everything. Like I, I ought to be able to like get what Jesus has, but hold on to some power, hold on to some uh, being able to do things my own way. Is that the case? You know, we, we can be kind of stingy. We like to save money. We want to get a deal, right? Um, I I'm not I, I am Dutch by, by ethnicity, but I am not the, the most frugal person in the world. But I I hate I hate uh, paying more than a million prices for groceries. And so once a month, I will I will drive over to Costco and I will load up on ground beef that is like the hugest five. It's like this five pound uh, package of ground beef because it's only like $5 a pound at Costco. And then I'll go home and then I'll portion it out into, into one pound sizes and I'll put them in Ziploc bags. And then that way, you know, I can I can save a little bit of money at, at least on my ground beef, because at Morton Williams, you, you end up spending eight or $9 a pound for it. So is that what uh, this is like? It is, is what Jesus offers something that we can kind of try to get some of it and yet, hold on to some of our own stuff, hold on to some control, do things our way. Is that the case? And unfortunately, throughout scripture, the kind of commitment and dedication that God invites of us and asks of us is a, a wholehearted, complete surrendering of our lives, um, full devotion in order to be able to receive what jesus is offering us um, and this is throughout it's old testament new testament old testament the greatest command to love the lord our god with all the heart soul mind and strength right it's god's not supposed to be second place he's not supposed to be something that is like a a hobby or an addition to our life he's the main show. He's supposed to be the main show. And Jesus himself, and this um, particular saying is recorded um, almost verbatim in all three gospels, but I'll read from Mark chapter 8, verse 34 through 36. He says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel, will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? And so as we are entering into 2021, I want to just remind all of us today that for Jesus, you're either all in Or you're not in at all. You're you're either fully devoted and fully committed, and you've thrown all your eggs in this basket, or you throw none of them in the Jesus basket. The cost is everything. He asks us to surrender everything. Think of the the story of the rich young ruler where Jesus says, You must be willing to to sell everything you have and come follow me. Right. But the, the interesting thing is that at no point does is this supposed to be considered a burden. But rather look at the the story we just read the the man what does it say he with joy goes and sells everything he has he doesn't he he's knows that in his mind this is the best deal ever he has no hesitation whatsoever it's with joy that he goes and sells everything he has and yet for us there's there's so much resistance isn't there and so this got me to to thinking um as we're entering into 2021 with everything we've We've received the incredible blessings that all of us, I'm sure, know in various respects that we've experienced, even through very difficult times. What is God asking of us in 2021? And are we willing to be all in? Or is there a part of us that still is holding out in some sense? And I've sensed even in my own heart, and I know that this is in the, the church as well, that there is at times a, a kind of hesitancy. There is a holding out. There's I want the grace. I want the power. I want the glory. I want the salvation Christ offers, but I also want to play it safe. I also want to hold on to some measure of control. I'll sell the field, but I want to keep some of the proceeds for myself. The other day, um, Pastor Jesse got me onto this worship band called Maverick City. And it's like, it's really fantastic. If you're not familiar with them, I'd really encourage you to to go out and check it out on Spotify or something. But I was listening the other day and there was a song that I thought was really beautiful, but I hadn't really paid attention to the lyrics and it's called Refiner. And so I'm kind of humming along. And then I started listening to the lyrics and this is what it said. I want to be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life if your glory wants to come in, let it fall. We want it all. Lord, your fire is consuming. Fill this place. Set it ablaze. I'll be a living sacrifice for you. And as I heard those lyrics about wanting to be tried by fire, wanting to be purified by God, I I sensed a resistance in my own heart, a hesitation. Uh, part of me that was like, ooh, that, that, sounds, that sounds rough. Is that really something that I'm willing to pray to God, Lord, purify me, take away anything that is unholy. I mean, I want to be righteous. I want to be all in. I want to be fully devoted. But if I'm totally honest with you, at times there is a part of me that's fearful, a part of me that's hesitant, a part of me that wants to guard part of what is mine. And in some ways, it's like um, Augustine, the the Saint Augustine, he wrote in his confessions um, a famous line. He said, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. And so we as a church, I think we're, we're the proverb, it's a proverbial situation where we want to have our cake and eat it too. We want to have, we want to lay a hold of God's grace and his love and his power. But we also want to maintain some measure of control. And I think that this situation only stands out even more because of the place we live in. We live in New York City and, you know, New York City is just filled with all kinds of people who are so all in they're so dedicated to various things they're so committed to their careers to their children to their education Um, you have new yorkers who will give up weekend after weekend in order to train for marathons they're right new yorkers know the sacrifice they know what it means to be dedicated and yet i think if we look at the church does the church have that same level of enthusiasm and passion and zeal for christ Right? People will go out and they'll spend millions of dollars. They'll work 80 hours a week on the career. They'll, they'll, they'll go the distance for things they care about. But is the church willing to go that same distance for Christ and for the gospel? Are we willing to, to sell uh, what we have? Are we willing to die to ourselves in order that we may live to Christ? Where's our love, really? When we look at the, the, the way we spend our time, when we look at where we put our energy, where is our love? And I think if we're totally honest, And I hope I don't sound harsh here, but I think we have an entire church culture in the West, which basically baptizes a kind of half-hearted discipleship. We say and we preach, you have to lose your life to save it. But in practice, in reality, what we really do is we accommodate the half-hearted. We 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 don't want to challenge people too much because we're afraid we might drive them away. And so we allow and we promote a kind of half-hearted discipleship. We bless it and we condone it, and we're fearful of being uh, of calling for too much commitment because what we don't want to be legalistic. We don't we want to make sure that we emphasize grace. But the result is we we keep the requirements to a minimum, We make it safe. We make it easy, and we forget. Forget at times that an empty tomb is great, eternal life is great, but eternal life and an empty tomb comes at the cost of the suffering of the cross. We want to emphasize empty tomb, but are we willing to go through the cross to get there? We want to emphasize the love of God, but we under we we, we downplay the call to discipleship, right? Because God's love is is love, it is grace, but it is transformative. And it requires repentance in order to step into it, It requires self-denial, requires a willingness to leave behind anything that is not of God and to put the flesh to death in order to embrace the life that Christ wants to give for us. And the result is that we have churches that are filled with too much of us and not enough of Jesus because there's too much of Ben showing up in church because I want to hold on to Ben. I want to hold on to my vision and to my desires rather than to allow Christ to take over my life and for me to seek not to be Ben, but to seek to be Jesus. And so the result is that we have churches that are filled with people that aren't truly transformed. And I, I'm not trying to say that, you know, churches churches are all filled with bad people. Um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the church is filled with people who want to play it both ways, right? We want to take hold of what Jesus has to offer us But we also want to control. And I think that if you look at our our dedication to prayer or lack thereof, and you look at the greed in the church and um, just the lack of um, zeal when it comes to worship and to hospitality and to service and mission, you will see that in the church that oftentimes our priorities are ambivalent. And ambivalent just means that we kind of want one thing, but we want the other. And it's like we're not totally sure whether or not being all in uh, is doable and whether it's safe and whether we really, really want what Jesus is offering. But at the same time, there is a part of us that when we see um, a believer or we see a, a person that we know that is all in, Who is fully devoted to Christ that there is something so wonderful and so beautiful about that and so we recognize that and I think if we're honest we we want more of that we wish that we were as on fire and as focused and as just all in as some other people we admire these stories I mean think about the apostle Paul let me just read from you I think what is such an important passage for us, and that's Philippians chapter three, verse seven through 11, because he talks about a deal. And this is all about a deal. This is all about making a really, really smart investment. And I'll talk more about what I mean by that later, but just consider, consider Paul's the, the the economic logic of, of what he does. All right. Or his story. So this is what he says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I'm just muting everybody at this point. I'm hearing a little bit of um, somebody coming through. So you see the logic of Paul there? I mean, Paul was a a dedicated, zealous um, believer in Judaism. And he completely was willing to set that aside in order to receive and to take part in what God had for him. He said, I consider that stuff rubbish. It's rubbish in order that I may know Christ, know Jesus, know his resurrection, be able to take part of that for which God has taken a hold of him. And look at what Paul did. I mean, uh, one person, probably no other person other than Jesus had such an impact I mean, a person whose life is completely laid before God to be used by God for God's purposes can accomplish incredible things. God can do so much wonder through one person whose heart is fully dedicated, who's all in. It's, it's unbelievable. And many of you know about missionary Brian Lee, who gave his life. To building up the church in China and, and sacrificed much and suffered greatly for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the mission. I mean, look at the kind of person he is. Look at all that God has done through him. I mean, the the, the life of a person who is fully in, who, who who is fully dedicated to Christ is a beautiful and wonderful thing, and we want that. But but how do we get there? And maybe as I'm as I'm giving this message, you 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 sense, right? Maybe there's a little bit of shame. You feel a little bit of shame because you realize, yeah, you know what. I, I think he's right. I think that I'm, I'm not all in, but you want to be there, right? You wish you could say that you were held nothing back. And if you were to meet the Lord today, then you would have absolutely no qualms whatsoever and be able to say, Lord, I did for you everything you asked of me. I, I would completely lay down my life for you because I know you love me and I know you were going to take care of me and I know what you offered. Maybe if you want to be there, then then this, maybe this will help. How, how do we get there? And there is a kind of path, right? And the path is this. The very first thing, it starts with just becoming aware. Becoming aware. Um, coming clean. It means that if you recognize that there's a part of your life, maybe you're holding on to some sin, and or maybe it's an addiction, and um, you know that it's not pleasing to God, and but you're not Getting help for it, you're kind of holding on to it, or maybe you've felt that God has been inviting you to share your faith with um, a coworker, or a friend, or a family member, but you're kind of tentative, and you're you're hesitant, you're embarrassed, you're not quite sure you want to take that risk, or you know whatever whatever the case may be, it could be different. It really depends on what what is God calling you to. Maybe there's an idol in your life. Maybe it's career. Maybe it's wealth. Right. And, and you're guarding it, you're protecting it instead of just sacrificing it to Christ. You say, now I want to keep this kind of the way it is. The, the first step is, is you got to just bring that before the Lord. You, that God is not going to heal something that you're not willing to bring into the light. It's his light which brings healing. And so we have to be willing to let these things be exposed before the purifying light of God. We got to be aware of it. And I think just asking yourself that question, if I were to meet the Lord right now, right, would I be able to say with a clear conscience, I have, Lord, given you my life. I gave you my life. I have nothing to be afraid of. Because that's, that's where we need to be. We need to be in, in a place where we can say with deep confidence that that we did not hold back. And that we got to a place where we were completely willing to do whatever it was that God would ask of us. That we were willing to die to ourselves in order that we might rise with Christ. So we need that clarity. And I would encourage you, pray about it. Ask these questions. Ask God to reveal. If maybe for you, you are all in. that That's possible. That's great. But if if the Lord reveals something in your heart, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Right, Jesus did not give his teaching for no, without a reason. Right, he had a purpose. He had a reason that he gave us this teaching. Or like the parable of the sower, and you have the the, the seed that is sown in the thorns, and the thorns that come up and choke the seed, or the worries of this life. Right? Jesus is very aware of the tendency that we have to be to be sidetracked, the tendency that we have to be half-hearted. That's why he says these things. So if if that is you, like right, don't be so shocked, don't be surprised. This this happens, but don't be content with it but rather bring it before God. The next step is I would encourage you to, to just do some some basic math and uh and think about the investment. Think about you know, just the reality that whatever it is that God could possibly be asking of you, it's nothing compared to what he's already done for you. And that God is good and there's nothing that he, that he's going to ask of you or ask you to do that that wouldn't in some way be for his glory and for your benefit, right? God is a good God and he has He has plans for us. And, and what is the point of holding on to our lives anyway? We're going to lose everything anyway in the end, right? We can't hold on to our wealth. We can't hold on to our careers. The only thing that, that we can hold on to that will bring us into eternal life is Christ himself self so i love this is a very famous um, quote from jim elliott he said he is not a fool who gives up what he can't keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose and so listen we're we're new yorkers we're, we're savvy we're smart right just think about it like an investment and what really is is the best investment the, 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 the fellows in the parable, right, when they found the treasure, they did not think twice about selling everything they had because they realized without a doubt that selling everything, what you gain by buying that field that has a treasure bur- buried in or what you gain by getting this pearl is worth far more, is worth far more than what we could hold on to you know, the disciples, I think they, they asked themselves the same question. They were very concerned. And, you know, the parable of the rich young ruler, when um, when Jesus says it's very difficult for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God, the disciples kind of freaked out. And they said, Jesus, what, what about us? We've, we've given everything to follow you. And they're very concerned that maybe for some reason, you know, they're going to be shortchanged. They're, they're, going to, they're not going to make the cut. But this is what Jesus says to comfort them. He says, I tell you the truth, Jesus said to them, no one No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. And I will acknowledge that it is scary sometimes, this idea of relinquishing power, of giving God control of being willing to give up whatever he asks, of being willing to die to self is scary. It is frightening. I think I would be lying if uh, if I didn't acknowledge that there is fear associated with that, and that is normal. But we have to, have to overcome the fear. And the way that we overcome the fear, this is step one is Come clean, right? Step into the light. Step two, do the math. Step three, how do we overcome the fear? And this is we have to look to Christ. We have to look to Christ. The key to overcoming our fear is for us to kind of gain, for us to gain the kind of trust, the the kind of trust that Jesus deserves, the kind of trust that um, we would be willing to do whatever God asks of us, because we know that he has all things under his control and that he's good. And he loves us. And what he does for us and offers us is so much more than what we could do for him. We have to look to Jesus. You know, Jesus, the most valuable thing, the most precious thing that Jesus um, possesses is his own life. It's, him, it's it's his own life. And Jesus, towards the end of his ministry, Jesus and his disciples, um, they made plans to go to Jerusalem. Jesus was dead set on going to Jerusalem. The the disciples knew that in Jerusalem, great suffering and pain and maybe even death awaited them. And they tried to convince Jesus not to go. They said, Jesus, you know, they're going to hurt you. They're going to kill you. We can't go to Jerusalem. And yet Jesus was dead set on going. He was resolute because he knew that this had to happen. And on the cross, right, the inevitable happens. On the cross, God is giving up what is most precious to him. There is nothing, right? When you think about the cross, you think about the son of God dying on the cross, there's nothing more precious and more valuable that God could ever give than to give up the life of his son on the cross. And why did he do it? What was his reason? What was his purpose? Very clearly, He did it because of his incredible love and dedication to his people. He did it because he cares so dearly for you and for me. That's the God who invites us to relinquish our lives and to trust him. And God is eminently trustworthy. I can believe him. I can risk for him. I can put myself in uncomfortable situations for him. I can sell all, live my life for Christ because of what God has done for me, because I know that he loves me and because he's good. And so I can trust him. The risk, my friends, is worth it. So we're going to have a time uh, of just a, a response. And if you, maybe you want to share, if God's putting um, on your heart, you want to share, or, you, or even you just want to pray, um, in a few minutes, I'm gonna um, we're going to open it up and um, let you do that. So if God puts it on your heart to share, then I encourage you to, to do that. But I just want to close by just reminding you of that quote from Jim Elliott. He or she is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. It is, the math is good. The deal is a no-brainer. And so I would invite you um, during this time to be willing to come clean before God. Just let him show you, right? You and I, we need to be at a place where we can say, Lord, we're not holding anything back. Our lives are yours. Purify us. Refine us. Do your work in us. Do, take my life. Let it be an offering to you. And I'm not holding anything back. And if you feel, if the Spirit convicts you that maybe there is something you're holding back, don't be surprised. Don't be afraid. But all that God asks for is a willingness. Just willingness if you're willing to say you if you're willing to be honest and say lord listen there's this area of my life and i i know i need to i need to give that up to you or maybe you're calling for a change in the way i spend my money the way i spend my free time but i don't want it lord i'm 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 resisting right just acknowledge acknowledge before god lord i'm resisting but i want to be all in i want to be fully dedicated i'm willing lord would you help me Help me, Lord. Just help me take baby steps. Help me move in that direction. That's all God needs. That's all he needs is uh, willingness. And if we're willing, if we come, that's faith. That's what faith is. If we're willing and we have that faith, then he will take your life. And he will use it. And he will honor it. And he will do incredible, incredible things through it. So let's have a time of um, prayer and quiet. and, um, And then we'll open it up. And uh, if you want to share, if God's putting your heart something, you want to praise God for something, or you want to just share uh, maybe how he's, God's speaking to you, then uh, I'll give you time to do that. So, Lord God, Lord, we want to be a body, a church body that is all in. Lord, it's so beautiful when we see the lives of people who have held nothing back have given all and we we want to be that Lord we want to be a church that doesn't have cheap grace but a church that has rich grace a church that knows the cost and is willing to pay any cost to see your work done in our hearts and in our lives but Lord we if we're honest if we're totally honest we acknowledge God that when it comes to prayer, when it comes to mission, when it comes to seeking you, that, Lord, sometimes we're ambivalent. Sometimes we're half-hearted. Sometimes we don't even care. And Lord, we want to acknowledge that before you. But God, I pray, Lord, that for every person that's listening today, that, that there is that, that hope, there is that willingness, that desire, God, for more, more of a desire to be willing to give all for you, to lay it down, to surrender. So, God, would you speak to your people? Spirit, would you move, God, move in our hearts, move in our lives? Would you bring your light, shine your light, O oh Lord, and reveal, God, where are you calling for greater conversion? Where are you calling for greater generosity? Where are you calling for greater zeal? Speak, O oh Lord. So I'll just be quiet for a little bit of time here and just just pray in your own heart.